Big Finish present Doctor Who Short Trips The Horror of High Brazil by Russell McGee Read by Stephen Critchlow In one of the stores of the TARDIS, the Doctor moved a dusty backgammon board to open a plant incubator. The pieces of the game rained from the board, scattering across the floor. Zoe winced as she stood watch at the door. Oh, Doctor, please, do be careful. The Doctor, preoccupied, chuckled to himself in delight. Yes, this will do quite nicely, he said, producing a flowering potted plant. What's that? Zoe asked. A Caluna vulgaris, the Doctor said, a more commonly known in the Scottish Highlands as Heather. It certainly is pretty, said Zoe, admiring its pink petals. The Doctor, proud of himself, said, It's the perfect present for Jamie. In the control room, Jamie paced about the console as the familiar sound of the TARDIS materialization was heard and the time rotor settled into its resting position. Jamie called out, Doctor, we've landed! Just a moment, Jamie, the doctor replied from beyond the door. And Jamie? Yes, doctor? A no peeking. Jamie muttered to himself, Doctor, what if you've landed us in lava again? We wouldn't want that now, would we? He craned his neck to see if anyone was in the corridor. No one about? I'd best take a wee peek. He flipped the switch, which activated the TARDIS scanner. It revealed a shoreline of rocky crags, draped in lush greenery and purple flora. Can it be? Scotland! He wondered whether the Doctor had finally managed to steer the TARDIS. An odd, hovering, phosphorescent light appeared on the screen, interrupting Jamie's train of thought. The light resembled a humanoid in shape, but it was translucent, almost ghost-like, as it moved among the flowers. Jamie marvelled at the sight. It's the will of the wisp, he said under his breath. He couldn't believe his eyes. Doctor, Zoe, come quickly, it's the will of the wisp. In another room in the TARDIS, Zoe and the Doctor, wearing party hats, were busily placing candles on a cake for Jamie. Not now, Jamie, the Doctor called in response to the distant cry. But Doctor... Jamie pleaded, Zoe and I are in the middle of a very delicate operation. The doctor struck a match and began lighting the candles. Zoe, stifling a giggle, said, Oh, Jamie, please be patient. Right then, Jamie said as he opened the TARDIS doors. He paused for a moment. Then with a Krieg in he charged out after the phosphorescent light. Singing, for he's a jolly good fellow, the Doctor and Zoe entered the control room with Jamie's cake. Just in time to see both Jamie and the mysterious light 
vanish from the scanner screen. Jamie! Zoe yelled, running toward the door. Before she reached them, the TARDIS rocked violently. The door slammed shut. The Doctor and Zoe were jostled about the control room, causing the Doctor to lose his grip on the cake, smashing it to the ground. The TARDIS whined and groaned as it was involuntarily dragged through time and space. When the TARDIS settled, the Doctor moaned, Oh dear, look at Jamie's poor cake. Zoe surveyed the console. Doctor, look at these readings. The Doctor turned his attention to the chronometer. It had seized, locked to the millisecond with the date hard set to July the 21st, 1748. Yes, someone or something has displaced the TARDIS from normal time-space. Well then, where are we? In the circumstances, that's a, a difficult question, Zoe. Let's see, shall we? The Doctor operated the scanner controls, revealing an expansive room with electronic equipment, computer banks, rows of vid screens, and metallic walls etched with ornate Celtic designs. He marvelled at the sight. Oh, my word! A look at the craftsmanship! The temporal mechanics, Zoe! Do you realise what this is? Isn't it obvious? We're inside a spaceship, or scientific outpost, that has been moved slightly out of phase with normal space into a pocket universe. Well, yes, uh, I suppose it is rather obvious when you put it like that. But think of the ingenuity. Whoever built this structure has elevated temporal engineering into an art form. You mean you don't know who built it? Many races have experimented with time, Zoe. He looked wary. Well, it does present us with a bit of a mystery. What's that? Who brought us here, and what do they want with us? Zoe's eyes anxiously probed the screen. Oh, where's Jamie? I don't see him on the scanner. At the heart of the mystery, no doubt. A low wheezing sound reverberated through the metal chamber. The only other sound was the hum of machinery. The doors to the police telephone box creaked open, and the Doctor and Zoe emerged from the TARDIS. The Doctor in the lead turned back to Zoe with a finger on his lips and whispered, Now, stay close, and Zoe... Yes, Doctor. Best not to, uh, touch anything. They drew close to a large computer bank, and the Doctor whispered, That's odd. What's odd? Well, the hum of the machinery is, uh, it's a bit off, pitched down, and, uh, well, see for yourself. Zoe looked at the lights and displays on the computers. They aren't moving. Nothing is moving. Look, Doctor, it's Jamie. Zoe ran behind a large computer bank toward Jamie. The Doctor cautiously followed her. He searched the room to see if they were being observed. Jamie was standing, frozen, unmoving like a statue. What's the matter with him, Doctor? The Doctor postulated. Although we occupy the same space as Jamie, we may not occupy the same time. He may be stuck in another time, moving more slowly than our own. That's dreadful. We can't leave him like that. I don't intend to. Oh, Doctor, what are you going to do? I don't know, I don't know. I, I must have time to think. But Jamie's frozen. Uh, maybe if I correct for the time differential, 
Zoe frantically pressed buttons and turned dials on the computer bank in an attempt to free Jamie. No, Zoe, stop! The doctor cried out, but it was too late. Jamie regained his mobility as the timeline synchronised. The doctor rushed to the TARDIS. Fumbling with the TARDIS key, he inserted it into the lock, but it would not turn. His worst fear was confirmed. He could no longer enter the TARDIS. It was frozen in another time. No, 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 he shouted, pounding his fists on the doors, but they were unaffected. The Doctor, Jamie and Zoe were now stranded. Welcome to High Brazil, a composed voice echoed out over a speaker system. Please make yourselves comfortable. We will be with you momentarily. Rather chummy for a prison, Jamie said bitterly. Zoe futilely surveyed the room for an exit. They certainly don't want us moving about unsupervised. Hi, Brazil. Hi, Brazil. Uh, where have I heard that name before? The doctor muttered. Oh, come now, doctor. Don't tell me you've never heard of the vanishing Isle of Hi, Brazil, Jamie said. The doctor swallowed his pride. Uh, yes, uh, well, uh, uh, why don't you remind me? Jamie found himself in a rare situation. He actually knew something that the doctor didn't. He relished the moment. Oh, well now, uh, uh, let's see. Um... Zoe jabbed him with her elbow. Jamie? He smiled. Yes, well, uh, the legends say it is a phantom island, and it only appears one day every seven years off the west coast of Ireland. Interesting. That would explain the spatial displacement, the doctor said, considering the implications. Well, one thing is for certain. We're not in Scotland. Zoe added. I were a smack dab in the thick of it, as usual, Jamie said. A large Celtic knot on one of the metallic walls untwined, opening into a doorway. The wheezing sound of the room rasped out as the air pressure changed. Two tall figures, male and female, regal creatures with white hair, stood in the opening. They appeared almost human, but they had pale, smooth skin with sharp facial features. The female had crystal blue eyes. The male was blind, but could still see through the use of a single robotic eye. So good of you to join us, the male said, stepping in. Is it? The doctor inquired as his captors walked closer to the TARDIS crew. The male extended his hand, but the doctor didn't accept it. Nonplussed, the alien persisted, I am Balor, and this is my daughter, Enya. And I'm Manon MacLear, interjected Jamie. The doctor tried to restrain his headstrong companion with a, Jamie. Undeterred, the young man pressed on. But doctor, they're no more fairy folk than you or I. Jamie, many myths are based on truth, the doctor insisted. The young man is correct. The natives of this world believe us to be fairy folk. The doctor scrutinized Balor carefully assessing the situation. Balor continued, Please, time traveller, we need your help. The Fomoran race is dying, sterilised by my own experiments with Cronon energy. The doctor frowned at Balor's emotional detachment. My daughter and I came to Earth, hoping to discover a cure. To date, all our attempts have been met with failure. Will you help us? You have an odd way of asking for my help. The doctor said, kidnapping my companion. We did not know he was a time traveller. We took him for a native of this time, Balor said. 
Well, you can hardly blame him for mistaking Jamie for a native, Zoe reflected. Eh? Jamie asked, looking insulted. Well, you are from 1746, after all, Zoe explained. Oh, aye, Jamie agreed. Everything has its time, the doctor said coldly. His eyes hadn't left Balor for a moment. Balor replied, all is one. Please, Enya asserted, we not only understand the circle of life, but it is our core philosophy. We live by the order of unity. We believe that all life is precious, and all things are connected to one another. All is one. Zoe looked at the doctor before probing him. Doctor? A mischievous grin crept over the doctor's face. Right, where shall we begin? Excellent. A doctor? Balor inquired. The doctor will do. And this is Jamie and Zoe. The doctor smiled brightly. Fine, doctor. And now that we have exchanged pleasantries, shall we begin? Balor led the group into a long cylindrical corridor. The walls of the passageway glowed with a cool blue phosphorescence. The floor of the corridor was glass, revealing the sea below. Brazil is an aquatic research center, Balor explained. A floating city disguised as an island. Enya added, We were funded by the Formorians' intergalactic confederacy to discover a cure for the sterility of the Formorian people. Jamie remarked, It certainly is vast. Where is the rest of the crew? Zoe asked. Dead, replied Balor. After an awkward silence, the doctor asked, Why do you need human beings? Human beings? The natives of this world, the doctor said. What makes you think we have any interest in the native population? Balor asked. The doctor coolly replied, Why well, you mistook Jamie for a native? So we did, responded Balor. We try to avoid contact with the lower life forms. Lower life forms, is it? grumbled Jamie. Jamie? scolded Zoe. Balor continued. We do not wish to interfere with the natural development of this world. Unfortunately, the curiosity of the natives has made it difficult. Amused, the doctor chuckled. Yes, it is one of their finest attributes. Balor stopped and turned toward the doctor, the aperture of his robotic eye adjusting to a wider opening as he gazed at the doctor. The Fomorian was not amused. Zoe noticed the fear in Enya's eyes. Unnerved by Balor's gaze, the doctor broke the silence. Ah, oh, my, well, curiosity has led to a fair few dead cats. Interesting, Balor mused. I should like to investigate that. Zoe tactfully changed the subject. Enya, what is your area of expertise? Enya brightened. A xenobotany. I specialize in plant hybridization. Would you like to see my lab? Well, that would be lovely, Zoe said. Enya, why don't you take Zoe and Jamie on a tour of Hybrazil, while the doctor aids me with my research? Balor's words were more order than suggestion. What an excellent idea, the doctor said beaming with enthusiasm. I do so enjoy a good mystery. Then it settled. Balor said as he turned a triple spiral engraving on one of the walls. Another large Celtic knot untwined itself to reveal a diverging passageway. Balor continued to walk down the passageway while the doctor remained behind. 
Enya entered the other corridor, but before Jamie and Zoe could follow her, the doctor stopped them and whispered, Keep your eyes and ears open. Go with Enya and find out what you can, while I uh, aid Balor. Balor returned, Doctor? Coming! You know how it is. Lower life forms indeed. The Doctor followed Balor into the heart of High Brazil, where the tremendous temporal engines harnessed the time streams through a free-spinning pendant ribbon. Quite impressive! yelled the Doctor over the engines. But I see that the accelerated rotation of your pendant ribbon... Balor shouted back. A pendant ribbon? A Mobius band? A infinity loop? Yes, the infinity loop. While the acceleration rotation of the infinity loop allows you to harness and control time, your temporal engines are unshielded, the Doctor observed. Therein lies the problem. The temporal radiation has sterilized the Fomorian race. We may no longer age or reproduce, although we still may die. You've uh, corrupted the Fomorian genome with temporal radiation. I do not deny my failings. My arrogance has doomed my people and has robbed my daughter of her children. I must right this grievous wrong. Balor paused as his mechanical eye fixed on the Doctor. Doctor, please share your knowledge with me. What is it that you wish to know? How does your timeship safely harness Chronon energy? And now that would be telling. Would you condemn an entire race to suffer for the errors of one? No, but uh, you don't understand. It isn't that simple. I have responsibilities. Responsibilities to all of time. Then you would deny me. The doctor was quiet for a moment. But then he smiled. Maybe, uh, maybe I can nudge you in the right direction. Yes. But you must come to it on your own. Uh, show me what you've been doing to correct for the effects of the temporal radiation. Follow me. Deep within the floating city, Enya led Jamie and Zoe through a honeycomb of corridors. I thought you might be interested in seeing some of the beauty that High Brazil has to offer. Enya reached for one of the triple spiral engravings. She turned it, and the door opened into an underwater observation deck. Zoe and Jamie entered the vast glass chamber. The sea surrounded them as a killer whale swam into view. What is that black and white beastie? Jamie asked. Orsinus orca of the family Delphinidae. Zoe said matter-of-factly. Enya noticed Jamie's confusion and added, The natives call them killer whales or black devilfish. Oh, aye, sea monsters, Jamie said. Why didn't you say so, Zoe? Zoe pursed her lips into a half-smile, and she continued after Enya. The killer whales swam under them, pursuing a family of dolphins. Jamie lagged behind, following the killer whale, which led him into another corridor. Enya stopped him. Not that way! Zoe noted the same fear in Enya's eyes that she had seen when Balor's robotic eye opened upon the Doctor. What's down there? Jamie asked. Enya tentatively said, Subsection C is unsafe due to flooding. 
She redirected Jamie down another corridor with more certainty. This way. Balor's lab was a cobbled together mix of biological and electrical equipment. Decades of experiments littered the room. The doctor took in his surroundings. He noted with interest that Balor had a multidimensional stellar map, a gamma ray imager, a temporal field generator, and three capsules connected to an organic vascular system. However, it was the walls that made the doctor uneasy. They were stained with pockmarks and scarred with burns, as if Balor had thrown test tubes at them in a fit of rage. Given the fact that I could not find a solution to the temporal radiation, Balor explained, I looked elsewhere. My research led me to consider the possibilities of the deconstruction and reconstruction of higher life forms. The doctor inspected one of three capsules, each roughly the size of an adult humanoid, as he queried, oh, What about the uh, Fomorian philosophy of the order of unity? Science is the only true governing law of life. It is without tolerance or pity, said Balor bitterly. A lesson that cost me my wife. The doctor, noting Balor's distraction, accessed a computer terminal. We all suffer loss, but it is how we deal with our grief that defines us. She sacrificed herself. Needlessly, Balor roared. I am to blame. The doctor hurriedly tried to locate the command to disengage the temporal phase shift on the TARDIS. Balor moved behind him. You aren't trapped, Doctor. You are merely out of phase with your ship. Then we are free to go. Balor turned off the computer. I must admit that the logic of my research has confined me to a dead end. It is most vexing. The doctor dryly replied, yes. Balor then picked up a gamma-ray imager and said, Would you mind if I perform a full body scan of your physiology? Do I have a choice? <laughs> We've only just met. I would prefer your cooperation. But it isn't necessary, Balor said, and he began to scan the doctor. Enya led Zoe and Jamie into her seawater greenhouse, where rows of lush plants of varying types lined branches of trees that had grown into shelves. Each row was stacked six plants tall, growing from olive green pots. This is my garden, Enya said. Her fear seemed to disappear as she talked about her lab. The solar-powered pumps move the seawater in and out through a natural distillation process allowing me to grow plants hydroponically. So the technology imitates nature? Zoe asked. Enya smiled. That is correct. This greenhouse is 100% self-sustaining. It's impressive, Zoe said, touching a couple of the plants. Thank you, Enya said modestly. Frankly, it is all in the service of my true passion, xenobotany. These facilities have enabled me to hybridize plants from our homeworld with this world's indigenous vegetation. Here, let me show you. Enya ushered Zoe and Jamie to a familiar flowering plant. This is one of my greatest successes. Jamie looked at the plant and scratched his head. But it's only heather. What you perceive as heather 
was not native to this world until I hybridized an indigenous shrub with Calinoflora from Fomoria, Enya said. Jamie stammered. Ah, you cannot fool me. Heather's been growing in Scotland for as long as recorded history. Enya spoke to Jamie as though she were explaining a new idea to a child. A time in High Brazil does not move in the same way as the rest of the world. A day here is like seven of your Earth years. Zoe puzzled over this new information as Jamie blustered. Now, now, wait a minute. No, Jamie, it makes perfect sense, Zoe said. A temporal phase shift would explain why you appeared to be frozen when we first arrived. It also explains why the legends say that High Brazil only appears one day every seven years. It is like two clocks running out of sync, one running much slower than the other. One day every seven years, the hands of both clocks match, and on that day, High Brazil is visible to the rest of the world. Well, Jamie grimaced, if you're sure. I am, Zoe said enthusiastically. It's a significant feat of temporal engineering. My father is the true genius, though I don't profess to understand his rationale. And I often wonder... Wonder what? Zoe asked. Enya searched for an appropriate reply before speaking. My father... My father does not see the value of my work. She seemed lost in her thoughts. But clearly you've proven the process, Zoe said before signalling to Jamie to keep Enya talking. He feels that it is a blind alley, Enya said. Zoe ducked out of the room, Enya continued. Yet I'm almost certain that it is through the organic process of hybridization that the Formorians will survive. Jamie encouraged Enya to explain more to him. But uh, how will a wee plan save your people? I may not be able to save our people, but I, I may be able to ensure that our legacy lives on. Jamie furrowed his brow in thought as Enya said, That is why I was tending the heather on the surface when you followed me here. A smile broke across Jamie's face. Then you were the Will-o'-the-Wisp. Enya laughed. <laughs> I appear to you as a Will-o'-the-Wisp, but I assure you I am flesh and bone. Jamie paused. May I ask you something? Of course. If you are the Enya of Celtic legend, then... Is it also true that you're a prisoner of your father? Enya turned from Jamie, avoiding the question. Reaching for one of the flowers of heather, she picked it. Every flower is a soul blossoming in nature, she said simply, as if to herself, as if something she'd said many times before. It is so simple and elegant, Balor proclaimed as he looked at the doctor's physiology. The gamma ray imager projected the data onto a large screen on the wall. It is the perfect solution. The perfect solution? The doctor asked. Balor turned and looked at the doctor with his cold, robotic eye. A dual cardiovascular system. For my chimera. Zoe, doubling back to the observation deck, cautiously proceeded into subsection C. The cylindrical corridor creaked like a submarine under pressure. The seawater trickled down the walls. 
The leaking water had damaged the lights long ago, and shadows cloaked the corridor. Zoe groped in the dark. Her eyes darted from shadow to shadow as she strained to see in front of her. An odd, inhuman howl echoed through the corridor. Zoe took in a deep breath to gather her nerves. Hello? she called. Is anyone there? She paused. Nothing. Undeterred, she slowly moved forward, her footsteps echoing down the corridor. She tried to assure herself that her mind was playing tricks on her, that she imagined the howl. It was nothing more than the creaking wall. But she knew better. She stopped as she heard more moans of pain from ahead of her. In the shadows, she saw horrible shapes clawing at the darkness. They were creatures that looked like they had been stitched together. Zoe screamed as something grabbed her shoulder from behind. She turned to see a monstrous, misshapen creature with antlers, malformed appendages and patches of red fur, part Fomorian, part human and part red stag deer. The creature whimpered, chained to the wall. Zoe stepped back with a gasp of realisation. The Fomorians in High Brazil were not dead. Balor had used them in his experiments. The full realization of Balor's Chimera experiments dawned on the Doctor. Your wife isn't dead, is she? No, Doctor. She was my first Chimera experiment, Balor said without any remorse. But don't you see, don't you see? You're repeating your temporal radiation failure all over again. You cannot put science above life, any life. How dare you lecture me, when you are willing to condemn an entire race to extinction. The doctor seized the opportunity. He grabbed the gamma ray imager. With a flash from its beam, the doctor overloaded Balor's electronic eye. Balor writhed in pain, temporarily blinded, swiping glassware from a bench to shatter on the floor. The doctor made his escape in a clatter of footsteps. Please help me. The red-furred creature cried, its eyes full of pain, as it released Zoe from its cloven-hoofed grip. Zoe regained her composure. Who... who are you? The creature whimpered with a slurping, uneven voice. Please... Please help me. Help end my pain. Did Balor do this to you? Zoe asked, gently touching the creature's face. The sound of hurried footsteps approaching caused the creature to buck away from Zoe as Enya and Jamie rushed in. Upon seeing Enya, the creature's whimpers turned into a wail. It backed away, hiding itself in the shadows. Enya slowly approached the creature tenderly caressing its neck. Shh, shh, it's okay, it's okay. After pregnant pause, Zoe demanded, are you responsible for this? Fighting back her tears, no, my mother volunteered, Enya confessed as she embraced the creature. Your mother? Jamie asked. The doctor's companions, who had seen more than anyone was meant to see, were without words as they watched mother and daughter 
tend to each other's pain. Fear replaced pity as a single set of footsteps raced towards them. Jamie and Zoe took cover until the doctor appeared from the dark, skidding to a stop. His eyes fell on the horror of High Brazil. The doctor was aghast, disgusted by Balor's handiwork. Enya, please, he said, listen to me, and listen closely, as we may not have much time. You know your father's actions are misguided. The destruction of life in the pursuit of self-preservation is evil. Search your heart. You know it to be true. You must stand by your own values. Stand by your own convictions. Enya shook her head in confused panic. I... I don't know. I... I don't know what to think. Desperate, the doctor tried one last time. You must decide, and you must decide now. Our lives depend on you. You are the only one who can save us. All is one, but you must not forget the second part of that philosophy. One is also all. Enya's mother nudged her. Enya looked to her mother, and her mother nodded. All right, Doctor. I'll help you. Good, the Doctor beamed. I would not do that, daughter mine, Balor said as he stepped out of the shadows and unshielded his robotic eyes. Run! The Doctor yelled. No, don't! Enya said as she grabbed the Doctor, bringing his companions to a halt. They watched in horror as Balor shot a beam of raw chronon energy from his eye. The Doctor was powerless as the beam de-evolved Enya's mother into a raw, primordial soup. Jamie and Zoe lay on the cold metal floor of Balor's lab, struggling with their hands bound behind their backs. The equipment was primed and ready. The liquid in the organic vascular systems was pulsating, and the three hybridization capsules were humming as Balor roughly forced the doctor into a disintegration capsule. It is unfortunate that I have to sacrifice such a great mind, Balor said, but soon, your genetic contribution will help to resurrect the Fomorian race. Unnoticed by Balor, Zoe picked up a piece of broken glass. It will never work, the doctor huffed at Balor. Come now, doctor. Your baiting is very unbecoming, Balor said, strapping the doctor down. Jamie, Jamie, Zoe called in a whisper. You cannot preserve the Fomorians through the destruction of life. It isn't possible. All you will succeed in doing is destroying the life you hope to preserve, the doctor insisted. Balor turned to Enya. She winced as his robotic eye gazed upon her. I must right the wrongs that I have inflicted upon my people. Jamie slowly moved to Zoe. She showed him the shard of glass. The doctor is right. Destroying life in the pursuit of our own preservation is evil, Enya implored. Father, please, listen to him. Ignoring the pleas, Balor advanced on her. Step into the disintegration capsule, daughter mine. You cannot successfully hybridize Enya with myself, the doctor objected. I cannot fail. I must not fail, Balor said, backing Enya into the capsule. The Fomorian race must be reborn. Jamie maneuvered so that he sat back to back with Zoe. She began to cut the ropes that bound Jamie's hands. Be the better scientist, the father I love and adore, Enya pleaded as Balor finished strapping her into the capsule. Remember the order of unity, remember mother. 
your mother died many years ago, Balor replied flatly, while keying some adjustments into the hybridization resequencer. Father, please, don't do this, Enya begged. Hurry up, Zoe, Jamie whispered. The doctor wrestled against his restraints, giving a shout. I cannot undo what you have done. There must be another way. Balor ignored the doctor, initiating the hybridization capsules. No, doctor. There is only one logical course of action. No, you don't, yelled Jamie, escaping from his restraints. He smashed the doctor's capsule, causing the lights to flicker off while Enya's capsule blazed with chronon energy. No, you fool! Balor screamed as Enya degenerated, liquefied into atoms, her genetic material pulsed from the capsule, through the vascular system into the integration capsule, where she was reconstituted and evolved into... into something else. Jamie, doctor, hurry! Zoe exclaimed, please! Balor rushed toward the integration capsule. What have you done? What have you done to my daughter? You have doomed the Fomorian race, the doctor said gravely, by repeating your past mistakes. No! Balor screamed as the door to the integration capsule opened, and the misshapen remains of Enya emerged, attacking him. He fell backward, stunned senseless by her attack. In the confusion, the doctor and Jamie freed Zoe. Enya fell, faltering, drawing the doctor's attention. Forgive me. The doctor smiled, helping her to her feet. Come with us. No, Enya said. Go now, while you still can. The doctor frowned. Go! Enya shambled to the computer with some effort and entered a numeric sequence. Overload sequence initiated. A computer voice said. Ten seconds to destruction. Jamie pulled on the doctor's arm. Come on, doctor! Enya disengaged the temporal phase shift on the TARDIS. Nine. The doctor turned and ran with Jamie and Zoe towards the TARDIS. Eight. Regaining consciousness, Balor unshielded his robotic eye on Enya. Seven. Enya grabbed at Balor as she slowly liquefied in his hands. Six. The doctor fumbled with the TARDIS key, burbling in panic. Five. Oh, doctor, do hurry, Zoe said. Four. Hurry, doctor, Jamie yelled as Balor howled in anger. Three. Oh! The doctor exclaimed as he inserted the key, turned it, and then threw open the doors. Two. Doctor! Balor yelled, turning his gaze toward the doctor. One. The TARDIS crew piled into the safety of the timeship moments before Balor's energy beam struck the doors. Zero. The TARDIS quaked as Hybrazel exploded. Temporal waves buffeted the TARDIS crew about the control room as the TARDIS was slingshotted back into real time, expelled from the pocket universe, crashing onto the Irish mainland. The TARDIS hum normalised within the control room. The Doctor groaned as Zoe helped him to his feet, while Jamie stared at the scanner screen. A field of heather spread out as far as the eye could see. Every flower is a soul blossoming in nature, Jamie reflected. Eh? the doctor asked. Jamie shook his head. It was something Enya said in her garden. Turning to the doctor, he added, She said that heather would be her people's legacy. What did she mean by that, doctor? The doctor frowned in thought. Enya was hybridizing plants from Fomoria 
with the indigenous vegetation of Earth. So he said, I see, the doctor said. Doctor, Jamie asked. It means, Jamie, that the Fomorians live on through Enya's heather. She succeeded where her father failed, the doctor said, looking at the field of heather on the screen. All is one, Zoe said, and one is all, the doctor finished. Jamie turned from the screen, noticing the ruined cake. What's that? It was meant to be a surprise, Zoe said. But it's not my birthday. Precisely, the doctor beamed. It's your unbirthday. A what? Jamie asked. Lewis Carroll, Zoe said. Jamie frowned. Who? It isn't important, the doctor said. What is important is our time together, our companionship. We so rarely celebrate holidays or birthdays, time being relative. Especially in the TARDIS, Zoe added. Yes, well, we wanted to surprise you, the doctor said. Ah, oh, doctor, Jamie smiled. Zoe warmly hugged Jamie. Happy unbirthday, Jamie. And the doctor said as he flipped a switch, we made your favourite. Oh, Jamie asked. The doctor added with an impish grin, upside down cake. Outside, the TARDIS groaned into life. The battered police telephone box dematerialized, leaving nothing but a field of purple heather stretching away to the horizon. Yeah.